I thought it was going to be a fade. It didn't fade. That was a quick cut. You'll get him next time. <laughs> what do you think of that, Mr. Dave? Um, I think... Uh... I think I got to fix this. <laughs> you think what? Nothing like playing a piano downstairs through the house you know you know that's one of my mis like um regrets as i set this up hold on i'll talk and set it up at the same time while my son is yelling in the background no oh, big deal the sound of it children is the yelling conspiracy and... dad podcast yeah, so just another if you're day. surprised that there are children running around my house um i don't know you're not very perceptive that's right <laughs> <laughs> you, might, you might not notice don't the UFOs go out either. on the streets alone because yeah you're <laughs> You might get attacked and not see it coming. Um, what was I saying? Well, we were talking about having a piano in the house. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, for years, I had a electric piano, and I always kind of thought because you have to have it tuned every year, and mm -hmm. it's it just made sense. Like ah, I don't know what's the big difference. And uh, then I found this really beautiful 1954. Um, classic upright piano 
And uh, I don't know why. I just I think it was because my daughter was getting more into piano, and I wanted her to have like a real piano to play on. And uh, bought it for about three grand, which was a deal for it because it's oh. honestly worth more like nine, ten grand. Okay. Um, but that's a lot of money, you know, for yeah. a piano. That's a car. That's a car. But I immediately, when we got it home, was like, because oh. somebody had told me years ago, they're like, don't buy an elect, like buy a real. It's about commitment. It's about like. Was it Philip? No, oh. but there's a lot of piano teachers that will tell, they'll, they'll require you to have a real piano before mm -hmm. they will even teach your children piano. Oh, okay. And the reason is so that you're invested in it. Yeah. And so it's like if mom and dad pay 10 grand for a piano, you're actually going to continue get, getting lessons and you're going to make your kids practice yeah. all of those things. But also... Um, yeah, there's nothing like a real piano. Like the the is the nicest, you know, fake, you know, electric upright or grand whatever it is. Yeah. It's not the same. You know, mm -hmm. I've played the really nice ones. They're they're even like a mediocre real piano. It's just the resonance yeah. of the vibration of the room and you put the piano in the center like the heart of the house. And it it really becomes like a fireplace. It's like the heart yeah. of the house, and yeah. the, you know, kids will be pl playing songs on the piano, and um, it adds so much character to your home life. Yeah. You know, to have like a real piano. So, if I was going to give advice, or maybe this is my first dad advice. Great. Yeah. First, I had another one that's way more important, but the first one would be. Hold on one second. Oh. There's no more, so um, there's no more. No more what? Soda water. You brought it to me? Well, Phoebe, that's Phoebe's, but she said I can bring it to you. Thank you so much. I love you. That's love right there. The last soda water. There's no more. Yeah. And as far as a kid's concerned, there's no more on the planet. I mean, she, she, she's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> we all have favorites. If you're a parent out there and you act like you don't, you're just not being honest. Like deep yeah. down inside, you know, you got one that's a little bit nicer than the others. Well, maybe a little bit nicer or just one that you relate to. You know, it may not be nicer, but you can... I go for the one that's nicer. <laughs> sure. I, I, I think a lot of people would. I'm just saying, I'll bet it's not the nicer one in every case. Yeah. Yeah. You know? There's definitely one you don't like as much. <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> i mean if we're being honest 100 percent. that's uh louis ck bit he talks about your parents are gonna die and he goes and one of them is gonna die first and guess what it's not the one that you want <laughs> <laughs> uh well so the first dad advice was um buy a real piano that's great yeah. um it seems like a lot you can spend anywhere from two to twenty thousand dollars on a decent piano but i'd say just make the investment when i bought it i wasn't thinking about me i was thinking this will be a family heirloom that i'll give to one of my kids someday mm -hmm. yeah. and that's that's why and because it was such a classic piano that i bought is mm -hmm. a 54 callan um upright which is the exact same make and model that abbey road studios had as a house oh, piano cool. for decades and so okay. it is the exact piano that the beatles and um i mean 
man, I just learned she came in through the bathroom window. I mean, Hey Jude, you play Hey Jude on this piano and you go, Oh, it sounds exactly like Hey Jude, like exactly like Hey Jude. Uh, You know, anybody that recorded at Abbey Road, that's, that's (laughs) what they use. Just picturing when you get a buddy that's learning to play guitar and he's like, check it out. I sound exactly like it. And you're like, yes, but this is Hey Jude on the piano. Yeah. On the exact same piano. So I had to buy it. It was from Scotland and somehow ended up here. And, um, but anyway, do, you know, kind of like the idea last podcast of like, just do it, like just pull the bone out of their throat, you know, if they're yeah, choking, yeah. uh, there's some things that I think, uh, it's just good to have and a, and a real piano. I know it's, you might not be able to buy it tomorrow. Definitely don't put it on a credit card, <laughs> but if it's you more can, dad advice, that's good. Yeah. If you can get a piano or if you're going to get a piano. Get a real piano. I don't remember who I was talking to this weekend, but we were just going on about how many pianos are available, like on Facebook Marketplace. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that are on the other side of this where maybe they don't have kids to pass them on to, or maybe they're the kid that acquired this from another family member and they don't have any interest in it. So actually, if you're willing to go pick the piano up, many people will just give you one. Yeah, I had... I had somebody right around the corner from here mm-hmm. wanting to give us a piano. That's where I got mine. I Mine's a family heirloom, belonged to my grandmother. And my cousin just said, well, yeah, if you'll come get it, you're welcome to it. But, Sorry, I'm adjusting something. That's all right. Um, and the only reason I didn't get take th- them up on that was because I wanted to re- record on it. Oh, okay. And so when I went to buy this piano, that is what I said was... I was looking at another one, actually. And this guy had a bunch of used pianos because uh, he was a piano tuner guy so he just kind of kept acquiring them well it was a funny story his brother was a like a 30-year piano mechanic tuner person and he died like of cancer or something and so he inherited like 20 pianos this brother and he also knew how to tune pianos because his brother had taught him but uh, he wasn't like that wasn't his wasn't gig like his trade okay. and uh, so his i think his wife was like you got you got to sell these pianos. And I, when I went to his house, he literally had pianos all throughout Just the house. lined up. Oh and uh, this was one that when I said, well, I want something that I can record on. So, you know, some of those those older um, uprights that are more like, I forget what they call them, like a, um, there's a name for it. It was like a cheaper version. Okay. It, well, if you, if you go back and look at the history of it, actually, it has, it goes back to I Love Lucy. So there was a, a type of upright piano that, that Ricky Ricardo played on I Love Lucy. And it was a... God, I can't think of the name of it. I I don't know why it's... It'll come to me in a minute. But either way, it was like a new way of making a piano. And it was cheaper and, you know, a lot more accessible. But it was also like really poor quality. And so after that show came out, it was such a big hit. Every house in America bought an upright piano like this because it was just like this you could afford one and it was so popular on the show and you had this explosion of a piano market and people buying upright pianos but a lot of them are pretty pretty not great is it spinet piano yeah yeah St- uh, story uh, and clark spinet hold on we got an issue oh but you're on man i'll tell you the internet you can we're find anything connected. on here we're still connected We'll see and try to switch here in a minute. But um, so, yeah, I mean, if you don't have the money, if you just do some searching, there's somebody with a piano. I would just say, you know, inspect it to see if it's something 
like some of them are so bad you can't actually tune them. Right. Like yeah. the way that they were made, you know, it's just it's it's, it's not going to last. Yeah. But um, there's a lot of them that you know might be a pretty. It's not going to sound like a you know 54 Callan, but it's going to sound right. It can, might be decent enough I to think learn. Many of us are not wanting to spend three thousand dollars. I wouldn't have for mine, um, but I was willing to make the day long journey to go. Mm -hmm. lug this piano into the back of my car and get it back home for all the reasons you're talking about almost like a fireplace in the heart of the home um it's just a good piece to have around nobody walks into your house and goes like why the heck do you have a piano here yeah it just looks like a, a home thing to yeah have. yeah well and then it took about a year before the kids started playing it you know but part of like more dad advice part of learning to be creative specifically has to do with being bored. I don't know yeah. if you had that experience with music, but the reason that I started really playing music was I was very sick one summer and all everyone else went away to summer camp and all I had was a guitar sitting in my room. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have the internet, I didn't have TV, I didn't have, so I just picked up the guitar and started playing and I think that that's something my wife and I have talked about that like when you're watching TV or podcasts, <laughs> you're being told what to think. Yeah. Your brain literally turns off mm -hmm. when, you, when you're being programmed yeah. to watch some sort of program. It's not bad to do that sometimes, but I think with children, you should make a specific effort to make them bored. Like turn off all the screens, uh, and just do it. I, I, I don't know why so many people I've talked to, they just, it's like this impossible thing. It's like, just turn them off. They can't, and you'll see, like, it'll suck for like an hour, yep. especially the ones having withdrawal where they're like clearly addicted to mm -hmm. watching a screen. But after an hour, they just start to play yeah. and they start to yeah. go outside and like do things and uh, they'll even be creative and imaginative. And I think, I don't know how you could possibly become a good musician if you're just constantly stimulated by some sort of screen or device. Maybe oh, there's some people that do yeah. it, but I couldn't have done it. I don't know. Well, just to dovetail on that, one of my favorite dads, uh, I used a trick out of his playbook and my wife and I do screen-free Sundays. Mm. And we just started doing it like in the last month. And, uh, just like you said, it is painful for an hour at a time here and there. But um, yeah, I've gone on more bike rides, done more board games, and you know, just had actual good I interactions. Can, yeah. act, do you see that they're actually happier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you're right. It's painful for about an hour. They're not happy about it. But somewhere in the middle of the afternoon, you go, "Where are they? Oh, they've been coloring for 45 minutes mm -hmm. happily together." That never happens. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, whether you do a whole day on a Sunday or something, but some kind of forced creativity like that is good. That's uh, another piece of advice I got from another dude who uh, he just was talking about. It's tempting to put a podcast on every time you mow the lawn and every time you're doing menial stuff like folding laundry, but sometimes just kind of make a sacrament out of it take the earbuds out of your ears and just focus wholly on what it is you're doing and try not to hit the fast forward button on the activity. Um, and that can be an act of meditation. It's good for your brain. Sorry, I'm still tweaking stuff. 
I asked Kanan, uh, my oldest, if he wanted to start being our producer. And what did he say? He's going to think about it. I so said, you have a lot going on. <laughs> he's got a lot going on. Okay. A lot of video games. Um, but I said, uh, when you think about it, if you really want to do it, I said, we talk about interesting stuff and you'll learn a really valuable skill set yeah. of you know producing a podcast and I'll put you on the credits. And he's going to get back to me. Was so. <laughs> there any piece of that that seemed more compelling to him than another? Like being on the credits or learning a skill set? I think what the interesting it? conversation, because yeah. the thing that we do have in common is we do like politically, like ideologically, we think mm -hmm. the same. And uh, we're very like we we like to watch. He likes to listen to some of the podcasts that I listen okay. to. And so that's kind of our thing is yeah. like, hey, can we go listen to this podcast? OK, um, so I think he's more interested in sitting over there and like listening to the ideas that we're talking about. When I was his age, I enjoyed sitting around while the grown-ups talked and getting to be kind of a fly on the wall. So I could see the value of that. Did you have some dad advice? I feel like I've been hogging all the dad advice section. I, really I didn't even mean the, to go in those two. Well, I'm... Screens I'm off, gonna, buy a real piano. Yeah, I think those are two... That's, that's sufficient for today. I didn't yeah. have anything that that was specific to top that other than Rocky 3 still holds up. And my son is deep into Rocky right now. So <laughs> as a dad, I just couldn't be more proud. Well, he's he loves Tom Petty and he loves Rocky. You really can't ask I for mean, more. <laughs> yeah. That's a good kid. Yeah. I mean, he has a poster of Reagan up on his wall. He's just going to land on his feet. There's yeah. no way he doesn't. <laughs> you know, they talk about how important those first formative years are. <laughs> he might he might even be as successful as Hunter Biden if you just keep it well, up. You know what I mean? One can hope. Yeah. <laughs> he could be an oil executive or an international finance expert. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what he'll become? <laughs> um, hopefully, Man, I'll tell you. Speaking of Rocky, and that's doesn't, this doesn't have anything to do with Hunter Biden, but I got my ass kicked to the Rocky soundtrack today at the gym. Um, Keep going. I'm fixing so, our. I'm fixing our screen. Uh, which is funny. Like we play music at the gym, right? And mm -hmm. so we're it's open mat for jujitsu, and you just it's kind of like a junior high dance. You just kind of point across the room to a stranger and go, "You wanna?" Okay. Um, there's this young phenom at the gym. He's like, he might Wait be a minute, young. He's like 17. It's like you said a word before phenom, that? like phenomenal oh, phenom. talent. Yeah. Is that like a, a cool word phenom. kids say yeah, that yeah. I don't know about? Yeah. You're not mid, you're phenom. You're okay. really good. I didn't know that. <laughs> there's one that my daughter said the other day that I was like, I don't even know that's a word, but, uh, is Riz or something? Oh, I don't, it wasn't Riz. It was something else. And I was like, is Bet the thing? Is that good? I don't know. No, Mid's the thing I heard recently. That, Phenom. But Phenom's one that I think I picked up from older folks. Yeah, that's, I don't know if I've heard my kids saying that. Um, A Wonderkin. You ever heard of that? No. That's like a young up and comer kind of. Young out of go hard. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this 17 year old punk, he's just, <laughs> he's just beating my ass grappling. Really? I mean, like, <laughs> like I was getting beat up in high school. He's he's way better than me because he's been doing it longer, and since he was seven or something. I mean, is he bigger than you too, or just he's just recently grown like thirty pounds of muscle? Yeah, so he's my size and way more athletic and way more flexible. 
and that Rocky song is playing. It's one of the montage score songs. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking like, okay, there's about a minute and a half left in this round. The Rocky song came on. I need to like draw. He wasn't even born at the time these movies came on. So I'm thinking I should be able to draw something from inside deep and get out of this bad situation. I just was getting my face smashed. He's crushing me. Dun, 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 dun. God, that's got to be brutal. I, I'm it, trying to picture what it would be like. I kind of had an experience like that with a buddy who's probably about 15 years younger than me with running. Okay. Yeah. And it's sp- a lot like, like He's that. like, because yeah. I, w- I was a runner and he's like, hey, you want to do a sprint and race? And I'm like, oh yeah, I, I'm sure I, I didn't know if I could beat him, uh-huh. but I was like, I can definitely hang with him. And then he smoked me and I was like. Oh, I'm old. It's like, like I that. I can't hang. Picture like, you know, in a race, if you're getting embarrassed, you could like just step off to the side and act like you quit for... <laughs> like you hurt your foot. <laughs> if you're getting beat up by a high schooler on a jujitsu mat, he can make that last as long as he wants. There's no... <laughs> like at one point, the clock went out. Beep. That means we're done. And for like 60 seconds, we rest and pick another partner. He's on top of me. He goes... Let's just keep going. And so then you can't. So no, you got to keep going. Say, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. I'm good. And, and meanwhile, you just crushed you're, me for another four crunch, or five crunch. minutes. Yeah, That's brutal. Yeah. It's a humbling sport. Well, what did you take away? What's your takeaway? Uh, I just thought about Clubber Lang in Rocky Three. Like, that poor guy gets beat up because he's the bad guy. He's the Does everything antagonist. for you go back to a Rocky reference pretty much? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, I just was thinking about the bad guys in those Rocky movies. And I thought, well, for our, for the viewer, the score is like, that's the winner's song. Mm. But not for Mr. T. Yeah. Not for Dolph Lundgren. Not for uh, Apollo Creed. What's his name? I wonder uh, what's playing in their head. Carl Weathers. I mean, like, for them, that's like the song you get beat up to. Oh, you think they hear the same song that Rocky hears? Because I don't um, think so. I think when you're watching the movie... That that song is supposed to be playing in Rocky's head. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So in their head, they got a whole other song playing. What does their song sound like? Well, it's not as good as Rocky's, that's for sure. <laughs> but imagine the mind screw that it was for me to hear the winning yeah. song when yeah. I was not winning. You mean you heard it over the overhead? Yeah, we were playing oh, music in the gym. I thought that you were like, oh, oh I was yeah, playing yeah. it no, in my it wasn't head. Like I was imagining. It's like I, I mean, was like, oh, I'll, I'll hear it in my no, head. No, no, we have. Like they a, literally played we the winning a, song when you were the loser. <laughs> We had a Bluetooth speaker and we usually play like some kind of instrumental hip hop or, you know. Well, you're right about that. It definitely meant nothing to that kid. No. And he didn't take (laughs) it easy on me at all. And I thought maybe for us for a second that it would help me pull something deep from within my soul. Nothing. I tried to escape this bad position I was in and got nowhere. And then, I mean, it happened a few times. There is a thing too. Remember Matt, our former drummer? Sure. No pee. Yeah. Uh, do you remember when we were at that casino in Arkansas and we were staying at the hotel and then like really late at night, he wanted to wrestle and I like wrestled him and I like beat him really bad. And then he got really butthurt about it. Getting beat up by another man is not well, fun. It was before he had kids. So uh-huh. like his rationalization when he was done is like, you have dad strength and that's just not fair. Cause I don't have that yet. I and wonder like, if there was a rematch, how you guys would do. Uh, I probably could still take him because he's so skinny. We used to argue about who would win between Tom Petty and uh, John Cougar in a fight. Oh, that's a good one. And Tom Petty. 
Oh. As much as I like John oh, Cougar. Wow, you just blew my mind. I just feel like Tom Petty would be dirty. Like he you... would he would not fight honorably. So what's funny is you used to like relentlessly go, no, definitely John Cougar. Did I Cougar. say John Cougar? You, were, you said Mel. I mean, I'm a big John Cougar fan, yeah. but and I used to say, now nah, Tom Petty's stubborn, he wouldn't give up. And then over the years, just thinking about it. We haven't even had this conversation for 15 years. You wore me down. And just this weekend, I'm at a 4th of July barbecue asking somebody. And they go, I think Cougar. And I'm like, yeah, I think you're right. Definitely I'm Cougar. I, I'm vaguely remembering this conversation now. And I'm trying to think. Yeah, I was. I think I did think about it really long and hard. And I was like. He seems scrappier to me. Yeah, but oh gosh, we need to reevaluate this because Tom... His will against the yes, record industry is... He will not back down. I'm, he said so himself. I mean, he made it very clear, <laughs> I won't back down. <laughs> so, uh, Cougar, I think, would fight dirty, but I don't. I just think Tom would not give up. Yeah. Now, uh, one thing I brought up in that conversation this weekend is like, where does Springsteen fit in all of that? I think he's full of shit. Oh, see, I think he'd yeah. beat both of them. No, I don't think he would. Oh, he's okay. completely full of it. <laughs> he's like hard a... to mail those three-hour shows in. Yeah, he's I mean, um... he's really doing that. Oh, I know, but I I just think in general as a philosophy, he's kind of full oh, of it, and yeah. so I think it probably bleeds over into his fighting technique. Yeah, I just want to be clear that what we're arguing about has no bearing on our thoughts on their merits as an artist. No, like I'm no. not saying. I'm looking at the person, the, yeah, yeah. the personality. Like if you put him in a and scrap. And like, if you yeah. put him in a, in a scrap, yeah. I think you punch Bruce in the face once, I think he caves. I just mm. think he's not. I think he's all show. Okay. I think yeah, like kind that, of a peacocker. Yeah, around. he's yeah, a peacocker. Yeah. You can tell he's a peacocker. Yeah. Just look at him. Kind of like in Rocky when yeah. Dolph Lundgren punches Apollo Creed and Creed looks very surprised. Yes. Like, whoa, I did exactly. not see that coming. Uh, John Cougar, I I, I think he, he you punch him, you're getting punched back. For I don't sure. think there's yeah. a... And he's one that he's not going to... He's going to fish hook your mouth. He's going to poke your eyes. Yeah. And uh, same with Petty, though. I think uh, you punch him. He's he's not backing down. He's yeah, coming he's back at you. He's going to look back at you. And, but it's, I think yeah. it's great that we've been calling him Cougar this whole time, and he actually changed his yeah, name he, that's back. That's the one name that he dropped, yeah. Yeah. I know I know a woman who grew up with him. I think she dated him for a while. Her name was Rochelle. She was from the same small town. Was she older? In, yeah. <laughs> she was obviously in a small town. She was. Well, he's from a small town in, in <laughs> Illinois. Um or is it Indiana? I think it's Indiana. Indiana. Yeah. Um, but Rochelle, if you're out there, miss you. She's a sweetheart. But uh, she was like the biggest John Cougar fan. And she would always tell me like, he was so embarrassed when the record label made him change his name to John Cougar. He thought it was the dumbest thing and he didn't want to do it. And they told him everybody has a stage name. Yeah. It's what actors do. And he went on tour and everybody made fun of him. And he came back home. He said, I'm John Mellon. He reversed. And he said, I'm undoing that name. Yeah. Even though... John Cougar is a good name. It's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I'd give him that advice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what we're calling him. So that's the more catchy name. Yeah. Well, um, let's uh, pivot. Sure. Uh, as they say in the business world. They got um, a lot more than they bargained for with that dad chat. Yeah, that dad chat was good. I didn't even get into my real point that I thought about all day. And I was like, that's a good dad advice. So you have to hang on to the yeah, next store episode. Store that one away for later. Yeah. And it's a food, it's like a food, dad food advice okay. that you need to know about if you're a man. Um, <laughs> if you're a man. <laughs> so 
Today we're talking about a the man. Uh, a man, uh, Captain. Is it Captain right? Commander, Commander David Fravor. And if you're paying attention at the top of the podcast, that was a song that uh, I wrote a, called Fravor's Stand. And uh, it's about Commander Fravor and his encounter with a UFO while serving on the U.S. Nimitz, which is a fleet. Is that right? It's not just one ship. It's like multiple ships. Is that right? My understanding is it was an aircraft carrier. But oh, okay, just a singular yeah. aircraft carrier. I apologize if we're losing our video feed. I'm going to try to fix this, but um, it keeps jumping on and off. But I think we're back on. Anyway, in 2004, um, I'll let you run down the story because you probably have the notes in front of you and you get it right better than me. But long story short, that's what we're talking about is mm -hmm. a very now famous, it's probably the most documented because it was caught on video and and radar uh of a really really high ranking uh fighter pilot not just seeing a ufo but chasing trying to chase down a ufo and he recently came out and did a few podcasts talking about that experience he's he's done a lot of interviews if you want to know uh any more about the nimitz Tic Tac incident, just put Tic Tac in Google and that's what's going to come up. And there's been a lot of, um, a lot of him, him talking about it, but do you want to run through the specs of kind of technically what happened? Yeah. Um, I just had the New York, uh, the New York times article pulled up, but you're right. 2004, uh, Fravor is the CEO, the commanding officer of the Nimitz. And so he's got something like 300 people under him. They're about to go. Is he? Wait a minute. Is he? I don't know if he's commander of the Nimitz. Is he? Correct. Yeah, I'm sorry. He's it's, commander it's, of the Blue it's like Angels. The, it's the Black, Black Angels. I think. I mean, they got a cool name. I like, thought it was Blue Angels. No. No, no. Blue Angels is like the guys that they go out like as a okay. marketing tool. But it's a specifically a fleet of fighter jets. Correct. Like it's not. He's yeah, not. Like he's not the captain of the jets. ship. He's no. just the commander of the fighter jets. Yeah, but he does have a couple three hundred people. Yeah. Under him, he's top dog. Yeah. And he is. He went to Top Gun. Like that is yes, where he went to school. Correct. He is Maverick. If in person, like that is, <laughs> yeah, that's who he is. Yeah. So he is a, a legitimate, like a bona fide Top Gun instructor, um, 24 years of military experience. Uh, he was commander. Uh, and yeah, he was not in charge of the ship, but he was one of the top 20 guys in charge of that ship. And under him are a couple 300 people who are like a flight crew and everything mm -hmm. that he's got to manage. Uh, they are... It's late in the year 2004. November, I think. Correct. Yeah. yeah. 2004, they're getting ready. They're they're getting geared up to go to Iraq um, and for their deployment. And they're going out on a training exercise uh, off of the coast of California. Baja? Yeah, right? like San Diego area. Um, and yeah, they, it's him. So it's two jets is my understanding. It's it's him and his, what he calls a wizzo. So it's the goose in the back seat. What does wizzo mean again? It's weapons, like weapons special operator. Operators, yeah. operations. Okay. Yeah. So it's WSO. Um, his wizzo's in the back. And then it's a female pilot, Alex. I forget her last name, but she she's, doesn't. She's come public too. Now. She has. She's not near as public as he is. Um, I think the wizzo is not though, because he's still... 
serving. Think, okay. Yeah, so that sounds right. Respected that and not said so there exactly are four, who that is. Four of them out there in the air. And mm-hmm. before they take off, one of the traffic controllers or the tower guys says, Hey, we've been seeing these blips on the radar, these craft. We don't really know. We've been seeing these objects. They kind of thought maybe it was like drug smugglers, didn't they? Right. Yeah. Or that's what Fravor the, thought. Right. Was yeah. like, because that happens pretty often. The tower get... guy didn't say, we've been seeing UFOs. He just said, we've been seeing some activity out there. Um, so, you know, this is just a heads up for you. And then once they're flying out to, they're about to do like a game, like a spar or like a pickup basketball game, a mm-hmm. training exercise. They're not armed. Correct. They, they have yeah. dud missiles right. attached to it because they're just training. Right. So they are going to what would be their goal line in a football game in the scrimmage. And a couple other pilots are headed to the other side of the field, you know, the flight field to do the same. While they're en route to go to their cap point is what that's called. Uh, tower guy says, hey, a couple of those, uh, one of those objects is popping up. We're going to, this is no longer a training mission. This is a live operation. So uh, Fravor goes to the area where he's, you know, supposed to be looking for whatever this is. And that's where he says he sees uh, some whitewash in the water um, as if something's bubbling up from the water. Mm -hmm. And then he sees this, what a lot of people have heard of people refer to this Tic Tac bubble up from kind of just above the water. Um, so he sees white water, white wash. And like you said, at this point, he's kind of thinking, is this some kind of a helicopter drug running something? Um, and he directs his, uh, wingman, the female pilot to stay up at about 20,000 feet or is it 20,000 miles up at 20,000. Yeah. Um, miles would be w- much, much higher. <laughs> miles is higher than feet. Okay. Yeah. Um, 5,280, I think. Oh, all right. Um, <laughs> I'm a pilot. No. <laughs> Might as well be. I, that could be wrong. I, 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 that's coming from the back of my head, like I long, right. long ago, somebody, I was 5, like 5,280 yeah. feet. So 20,000 miles would be like 10, you'd be at the like moon. Thousand. Yeah. You'd be way up there. Almost no, not halfway to the moon. To the moon. Halfway to yeah. the moon. Okay. Which okay. We know, <laughs> we know you that. You wouldn't be there. Yeah. Um, Those radiation belts so would stop me way before you got there. <laughs> So you get the female pilot, the wingman, is uh, monitoring from their altitude that they're maintaining while Fravor goes down to check it out. He engages this tic-tac object, sees that it it's not a helicopter. There's no uh, there's no jet wash. There's yeah, no, there's certain signatures, he says, yeah. that they can look for even just from a distance. You see yeah. rotor wash. You see yeah, exactly. a tail. Even just the way it moves, mm-hmm. too, yeah. you can... He looks, he identifies aircraft for a living. Sure. He knows yeah. if it's something, helicopter, boat, right. airplane, whatever. He's the guy that would know. Right. Back to my point on the other one. If he's not an expert, this is who very is? much, you know what I mean? That's, I thought that a lot of times listening back to interviews with him was uh, what you were saying. Well, if this guy's not an expert, because he said it was about 40 feet long. And he said, I know that because. The the planes that I engage for a living for 20 years were all about 40 feet long. Mm-hmm. So I know what a 40-foot-long object looks like out of the window of my plane when I'm at that altitude. Um, he engages this object, and uh, the object mirrors some of his movement. And the way Fravor describes it is uh, it looked like this object 
got noticed that he was engaging mm-hmm. it and behaved in such a way that it was just kind of. I think he described it like a uh, like or like a game of like a duck duck goose. Yeah, yeah. when he's coming down, mm-hmm. this object turned towards him and started to like circle each other as yeah, they're getting closer, yeah. almost almost like a uh, like a duck duck goose, but like a. Um, I remember he did say he never felt threatened by it, right. but it was like scoping him out. Right. Like he's looking at it. Yeah. It's looking at him. They're coming closer together. Yeah. So, and then at some point in the middle of this engagement, this object just zips off, disappears. And he asks his wingman, who's watching kind of bird's eye view, no pun intended, uh, do you see it? She says, no, it's gone. So it's not just one of these where like on Top Gun, oh, I lost him. I can't find him. You know, it's like somebody was watching. Three people saw it disappear, right? Yeah, this thing is gone. Um, And so, okay, well, we're heading back. And as they're coming back, I think the tower guy radios and says, hey, Skipper, you're not going to believe this, but that object's back at your cap point. So like right where you just started, that thing's back there now. Um, I don't know if they were running low on fuel exactly or what, but they bring their two jets back. And already um, one of his other pilots is geared up, loaded up, and taking off to go try and check this out some more. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually the Wizzo from this other jet that went out, the second run. They got the video footage. They got the video of the Tic Tac. So if you Google or YouTube Tic Tac footage, um, that's what you're actually seeing is this. It's a minute and 30 seconds of this Wizzo on the second group of the flight. Uh, trying to capture, what and he captured think. it on like he was switching infrared, like different versions of the video. Correct, because yeah. he was smart, and as he's he was trying to capture yeah. like multiple layers of evidence mm-hmm. of what exactly he was looking at. Yeah, and there have been debunkers who have tried to explain away, but if you go and listen to Fravor, um, you know he's real. Like, look, <laughs> it's easy to like sit hear and say oh it was a bird or it was whatever it's like this guy he's an expert i don't know who else would be an expert and you know 20 plus years of identifying aircraft in engaged situations i think he would know if it was a bird my uh impressions of fravor after listening to i listened to three interviews at least and possibly excerpts of a few more but some of them were a year or so apart and the one that you sent me was like this year. It was pretty Last recent. week. Yeah. yeah. Um, kind of like we talked about Lazar. I mean, the story does not change. And he's very matter of fact about it. I get no indication that he's seeking some kind of glory or monetary gain from it. I mean, like one of the times, one of those interviews, I think with Friedman, he makes some crack like, I haven't made a dollar off of this. <laughs> he said, he says to Lex Friedman, he's like, you didn't pay me to be here. Um Whereas, like, when we were talking about Grush on the last episode, uh-huh. I don't know, probably from my tone, you could tell I was kind of like, this guy, I don't, I don't buy, I don't like so this you, guy. So you buy Fravor much more than Grush? Absolutely, yeah. Fravor struck me as any uh, experienced military guy I've met and guy that age that's, you know, led a successful professional career, he's got nothing to prove, um, kind of has that matter-of-fact nature about him. Like, I just don't hear from him like he doesn't sound needy like mm. he's trying to convince me of anything um and like you were talking about a debunkers 
Nick West is one that's a more notable debunker about not not only the Tic Tac, but a few other. Oh, lots. That's, uh, yeah. It's all he does is that's try to debunk thing. UFOs. Um, and I just, I really, I thought Fravor's response was what it should be if you actually were confident in your story and believed what you were saying. He was kind of like, well, he wasn't there and uh, he's not a pilot. So yeah, he can believe it or not, but that's what happened. And I was like, yeah, that's that's what I would think i would go well i don't care if he believes it or not it doesn't affect me you know well i think a lot of people that are trying to give some sort of explanation as to what it was will kind of immediately go to well it was obviously some sort of advanced u.s technology you know experimental aircraft that he maybe he was kind of being tested like it, it yeah. was like you know, an engagement with our own people to see how we would respond to it. And there, you know, he pushes back on that and says like, you know, they don't do that because, you know, you can actually really easily crash right. into the ocean. Like mm -hmm. there's actually, you know, you, you, uh, the idea that we would send up an experimental aircraft to test against our own pilots without letting them know mm -hmm. that this was a test would be uh, against their code of conduct for sure, but yeah. also just, you know, their safety codes. And um, in his opinion, they've never done that. You know, it's, you know, in his opinion, he is aware of every, of the most advanced tech that we got out there right now. Sure. And he's saying this thing was not just kind of more advanced. It was light years ahead yeah just based on the physics of it he's like we don't have anything that can do what this thing did when he yeah, talks he... about it disappearing over his uh you know over the and taking off over him you know going over the horizon in like a second right like we don't yeah there's nothing yeah, that he, can do that he was talking about like the sr-71 i think is the fastest jet that we are aware of and he said even that when you're at the altitude that we're at and you're out over the ocean where there's just nothing to impede your vision he said you can watch it for 30 seconds or whatever, as it takes off into the distance, you know, you can see it disappearing. Or he said, same thing when you're watching a rocket launch into space, you can watch it. It's going fast. It's going hard. It's going a long ways. You can kind of see it dissipate into the distance. Hmm. He was like, this thing was disappearing so quickly that, I mean, it's unnatural. Well, and it also moved in a really unnatural way, meaning even at a, at a lower speed, when it turned to face him, mm -hmm. it, it made a like a ninety degree turn like right away. Yeah. And at, at a like airplanes can't do that; right. they can't immediately. And pe I think he described it too, like looking down at it, it wasn't like stable; like it was like like almost like a pong game or something. Yeah, when yeah, you're watching a thing the move, phrase, like ping it, it pong didn't in a glass, it didn't yeah. look like a well, like anything that we know. Like mm -hmm. it, it looked like it was almost kind of jittery and unstable, mm -hmm. which is. Actually, when I think about the first time, the first UFO that I saw, that was what was weird about it is that it disappeared so quickly. Mm. And it was, it's like your brain can't process. You're like, I'm not used to seeing lights just appear and then immediately disappear. Like you think about a plane, it's going to, you know, yeah, fly away. Right. And uh, I had that same kind of feeling when I saw it. I thought that was what was weird is that I don't, lights don't move like that in the sky. Mm. You know, I have never mm -hmm. seen that before. Um, I don't know if it's exactly like what he saw, but... It it was kind of like that, almost like I'm looking at an animation or something. I'm not looking at reality. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. No, I get it. It's 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 foreign to the way you're used to watching things move. Yeah, is... even like a comet or like a satellite yeah. or anything else in the sky, it doesn't just bloop bloop 
here gone yeah you know kind of movement um i didn't want he, i didn't uh, mean to make this about me <laughs> <laughs> well man you know it's funny just to touch on that for a moment uh i was unaware of mick west the debunker until today really um looking into this and like a lot of these topics we've discussed in other episodes i'm typically i'm trying to seek out a naysayer the other side mm -hmm. of the coin um i thought mick west had a lot of interesting things to say about a lot of other topics what's interesting about fravor's account is it's a lot easier for me to find mick west explaining away things like the gimbal video or other current videos he's pretty dismissive of grush and, and a lot of other things um but his only the only thing i heard him say and i'm sure it's not the only thing that he's made a comment about in regards to fravor is just that like well uh fravor would say himself that it's easy for a pilot to lose perspective on how far away something is over the ocean because it's a big vast ambiguous blue landscape mm -hmm. um but that's not a that's not a correct representation of what Fravor was saying. What Fravor was saying is many pilots, if they don't trust their instruments, can lose track of what's up and what's down in the ocean. And you can lose track of how far away from the ocean you are because it is so big and blue. So you sorry if there's a blip in this our stupid system messed up. We're, stupid system. Stupid intern. Stupid intern over there didn't do it right. But uh if there's a blip eh, right back in here we go we were talking about fravor over the ocean i saw ghostbusters over the weekend speaking of movies that still hold up and i love you know the lawyer character oh yeah um oh god i forget his name but Redbeard. Mm -hmm. and he says to the police officer he was in ferris bueller too wasn't he i think you're the same guy uh if he walter peck that's who he yeah. plays in ghostbusters and yeah he might be in ferris bueller as well he plays a good antagonist, but he, I love the line where he's talking to the police officer and he says, if he does that again, you can shoot oh, him. Yeah. <laughs> and that Don't... is what will happen to you. Yes. <laughs> this happens again. <laughs> if he does it again, you can shoot him. Uh, don't tell me how to do my job. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not the same guy from Ferris Bueller, though. You're right. He's from... Oh, you know what? Ferris Bueller's the guy from the Duck movie, Howard the Duck. Yes. Yeah. Redhead. Yeah. Uh, the guy you're talking about, he was like in Walter... Groundhog Day or something. Like He's in it several of those yeah. around that same time He's frame. a little more... The dude from uh, Howard the Duck and from uh, Ferris Bueller is like a little more comedic. The guy from Ghostbusters, Walter Peck, makes I you have a visceral response when you watch him. He's got more malice, like a very dislikable character yeah. actor. He he does a good job. So, Fravor is over the ocean. I forget makes, what we were saying. Uh, he made the comment in one of the interviews that it's easy for pilots to get disoriented, mm, especially yeah. with that much blue and broad things going on. And and one of the points that Mick West made was well. Fravor himself said that pilots can get disoriented with distance. And yeah, but whatnot. he wasn't saying that he was disoriented. <laughs> he was just saying that he, that could happen he to made, some pilots. Fravor made the comment about it's hard to judge distance over the ocean relating to something else. It wasn't specifically pertaining to him tracking this tic-tac yeah. object. He was very clear about, no, I know what I saw. 
Yeah. Like in his case, he's saying, no, it, I wasn't confused. I yeah. know exactly what I was looking yeah. at. And it wasn't anything that we've ever and seen. My wingman was watching the whole time and would have mm -hmm. said, you're getting real close to the ocean, buddy. Yeah. Um. So what I thought was interesting about Mick West in regards to Fravor was that it, I didn't hear as many comments debunking Fravor. And also... Fravor is very matter of fact about, uh, he said, I've heard some weird accounts that, you know, somebody watched our video feed live of mm -hmm. us engaging this Tic Tac. He said, our planes don't even broadcast. They didn't videos. have that yeah. ability at that time. He's like, that's yeah. not even a possibility that that happened. So anybody that says that, that's not true. He said, I've heard accounts of that video being edited down to the minute and a half that it is. He says... No, it's a it's a ninety second video. It's not a ten minute video. It's nothing of like the government's not hiding the, all of that. So, um, I just thought he he doesn't if he's acting out of sorts. If he's you know making this up, it's very believable to me what he's saying. Well, that that could move us into some of the, the theory side of this of okay. what exactly is going on because I feel like I've studied this case and lots of these cases um and thought about it a lot and i think you come down to there's only a few possibilities of what actually could be going on um possibility number one david fravor is who he says he is he does what he says he does and he encountered something from out of this world that he engaged it in some sort of combat kind of situation over the ocean um could it be super advanced tech that we have that he just didn't know about? That's a possibility. I think he even admits that maybe, maybe that's, except he'd think that would be very strange. Mm -hmm. um, the other possibility is um, back to the idea of the podcast we did a while back is faking an alien invasion. Mm. And maybe he was planted there. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he believes what he's saying. Right. Like, he knows that what he saw was out of this world, crazy technology. Um, he could be kind of a pawn in a larger... Interesting. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah we don't normally test Like a tech. Sirhan, Sirhan Yeah, sort of well, a, yeah. if you were going to fake an alien invasion, you would need credible accounts of aliens coming to Earth. Mm -hmm. And he could be that. I mean, he could be, uh, you know, yeah, they don't normally uh, test things on pilot. The thing is, it, it seemed like it wanted to be seen, yeah. whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So either it was an alien that wanted to be seen or it was us that wanted to be seen. Mm -hmm. And if we were faking an alien invasion, we would want to be seen from time to time <laughs> to fake the alien invasion. Yeah. Um, or he could be in on it. I mean, I've thought about this too, like... Uh, What's who's one of our favorite actors? Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Yeah. Tom Cruise can act. He can he can make you believe that he is somebody he's not. It's unsettling. He how can good tell he you is, a yeah. story that is not real. That you know that he's he he makes us believe that that's a real. Yeah. Is that good? And I've thought, do we have? Is there a is there a program? Like if we have a Tom Cruise. Maybe we have a Tom Cruise that you don't even know about. It's conceivable. Yeah. Who is a fighter, a fighter pilot yeah. who tells a story that seems extraordinary 
that is part of a larger narrative to do a fake alien invasion. Mm-hmm. It's possible. I'm just saying it's a possibility. Yeah. I'm not saying that's what right. I, my personal opinion is. I don't think that's what he is. Yeah. I, he doesn't, if he is, he's kind of like, it's, it's like method acting. Like he's, he's really, he's, he's pretty good, but you would kind of need it to be that right? right. Like his friends and family would have to vouch for him every, like it'd be pretty, pretty deep state. It'd be like, you're MK, MK ultra. You know what I mean? Like really, uh, deep down, yeah. but the question would be like, do, do could we even have something like that going on? Like, could somebody be that uh, undercover? They could, I guess. Like, I mean, it's conceivable. A long but... silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just thinking about like. It would have to involve a whole career. His so he'd story, have to actually be a real yeah. pilot. He'd have to actually be the real commander. Yeah. And at the same time, he would also have to be like MK Ultra, some sort of deep, deep spy, like 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 lying about this whole situation yeah. for some reason. It's just it's conceivable and it's just so highly unlikely that he could play that long game so long and it and it He'd have to believe it, I think. Yeah. He yeah, you're right. If it's MK, because Tom Cruise can act on camera, but mm-hmm. it's not the same as like maintaining an act for your whole life. Mm-hmm. I don't know how easy that would be to do. I think that'd be pretty hard. Yeah, um, but but we have spies. They do that. We do, but listen to a little bit more of that Bustamante guy. Uh-huh. The way he talks about being a spy, I'm like, oh. Okay, it is a little more like closer to real life than I've realized. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not as fantastic. Did as... you ever see that show, The Americans? No, but I know what the premise is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it makes me think of that. Like, could you yeah. could you like be living a whole fake life and people not really? The only story. <laughs> Did you ever hear the story of Ted Bundy? I mean, yes, you've heard of Ted Bundy, but he got so upset with a woman he was dating that he um he moved away or they had a falling out this is before he went on his ted bundy killing spree Mm. um she broke up with him broke his heart i think is he got really upset about it he rekindles this romance with her and like stays with her for six or eight months and uh then just tells her i'm gonna go out of town for the weekend she didn't hear from him for six weeks she finally gets a hold of him. He's in another state. He had, I'm sorry, I skipped a pretty important part. He, he proposed to her to get engaged. And then he's like, I got to make a trip this weekend. I'm going to go see a concert or something. Six weeks goes by. Her fiance is just MIA. She can't find him. Oh my gosh. She tracks him down, gets him on the phone. And he kind of just is like, uh, I want you out of my life and just hangs up the phone. So, I mean, the implication being that the whole rekindling of the relationship for so many months and all the way up to this engagement was just because he was so vindictive that he wanted to like just crush her soul and and break her. I mean, he's a serial killer and a sociopath. So my point is he did that once, but it was only for like a year long mission. Mm -hmm. So for somebody like to play the long game for, we're talking about from Oh four 
Oh, even to, before that, like his whole that's career. True. He had to, like yeah, his whole he had career, to enlist, he'd have to be undercover. He had to enlist in the Marines. Then he had to get into the Naval Academy. He had to train as a pilot. Then he had to, yeah, fast forward to 04. Then he had to bide his time. I'm just, until, I'm just like putting that forward as, as an idea. Yeah. Like, could we have people like that, that are, um, that we don't know about? You know what I mean? Like, you don't know about, like, they're, they're, they're world-class actors or, you know, spies or yeah. undercover of some sort that uh, could fool anybody that, and you, you just wouldn't know, like they, they have an agenda and it's based, it's tied to some sort of bigger, I mean, I'm just in my head, I'm trying to like, think about what I always go back to like, what are the odds, you know, and the odds of alien craft coming to earth. I was my whole life. I never really, you know, that was pretty outlandish. Um, but now since 2017, just seems to be like specifically ramping up and the same criticisms I'd have of Grush. It just seems like, oh, I'm a whistleblower, but the whole military apparatus seems to be like, okay with me. Like nobody's stopping him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As if this wasn't so maybe it's not a real threat. Maybe it's, maybe we've. I, I don't know. Maybe we've assessed it. I, I mean, my personal opinion is I, I think that he, I, I don't think he's an actor. I don't, I don't, he seems very genuine, but I'm just su- suggesting that, well, maybe, maybe he is, maybe he's yeah. full, completely full of it. You know, uh, he's saying something really extraordinary. Uh, we have very little evidence, just a grainy video and a lot of testimony, yeah. but you know, he seems to be validated. There's a lot of people that have said he is the deal, real deal, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know, man, it's, it's a tough one. It's as I can be talked out of most of them. This is, I think the most credible one, but you're right in the end, at the end of the day, it's 90 seconds of kind of grainy video. I don't really know what I'm looking at except for when he explains it. Did you, did you see, I just thought of it, but did you see that video I sent you of Coltart from the other day? No. The interview he gave? Who Who's he interviewing? Uh, I forget who he was interviewing, but they were asking him about if we had these craft, um, something about like where they would be or, um, you know, why, why they, how, how he could keep them secret. And he, uh, I'm sure more will come out about it, but he said, uh, what if I told you that some of these craft that they've found are so big, they can't be moved. And we've actually built entire buildings around them to conceal them. That's what he said. It's like, I don't know, man. It's a a hell of a thing thing to to say. say. (laughs) Uh, But then, and he said, but he also said specifically, they're outside of the United States. There are, that we've found some that are so big, they can't be moved. They're outside of the United States. And to conceal them, we just literally built entire buildings around them. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Not a lot there, except that's a hell of a thing to that think about. A, that's something to say. <laughs> uh, I guess I say that because, okay, another weird thing about Fravor. Fravor b- believes Bob Lazar. Yeah. Fravor believes David Grush. I know. Fravor, I'm trying to think there's somebody else that he believes. I mean, he's on board Lou Elizondo. Mm-hmm. Fravor believes Tom, Le- Tom DeLong. I know. Like all these people that... It's like super, super credible source. 
and then a guy that writes songs about like the most infantile, ridiculous things in the world. It goes yeah. back to Tom DeLonge and you go, what, who was the one that really got this all rolling? Tom DeLonge. He's the one who got it rolling. He's ridiculous. And I mean, even Lazar, like, I've, I mean, I've written about Lazar and I, I, I love his story, but there's a lot, if you're being honest, there's a lot of holes in Lazar's story. Um, and it involves a massive cover-up. Right. He says he went to MIT. He says, and I don't know, we can't explain Lazar all of a sudden, but he's another guy who's got it. He is claimed to be part of an effort that was reverse engineering UFOs back in the 1980s and 90s. And he's, you know, um, there's been a lot of people that have looked into his background and just said, well, it's just not credible. And he's he's really not ever debated a real scientist. I know Eric Weinstein has been had an ongoing thing with Joe Rogan saying, can you set up? I'll come on. And Weinstein has been very uh, into the UFO topic as a scientist, and right. he's surprised by it. And I think to to my knowledge, I don't think Lazar has taken him up on it. But it's like, well, why wouldn't you? Like, if you're a real scientist, if you really did this, why wouldn't you just go talk to Eric? And, you know, scientist to scientist have a conversation. Um, people would say it's because I think a real scientist would poke holes in his story pretty quick, but begs question, well, why is Fravor out there saying, I mean, he says in the interviews that, that, that Lazar is the real deal. Yeah. That was uh, a weird moment for me looking into this was listening to Fravor buying more and more and like, God, I really believe this guy. He's a likable dude seems credible seems pretty unassuming like he's not trying to sell this to me too hard and then he says uh yeah afraid or he's like yeah i met bob bob and i get along real well he's a regular dude and i'm like hmm, okay well that i wouldn't describe him as a regular dude <laughs> yeah that's i would agree with that um but lazar is one that i the fact that he hasn't changed his story does provide some credibility for me um there's some merit there uh for whatever reason i'm not a fan of grush but so as i'm listening to fravor say oh me and bob yeah we're buddies he's, he's all right i'm like yeah okay and he's like yeah lou alizondo you know we we, we connect here there so yeah okay he's like in this grush you know i'll tell you grush i'm like oh all right take it easy fravor <laughs> so you're right like we have him his, on, yeah, it's on like, his like, own it's like his story on its own is very believable but man to He's buy in... i i thought the same thing about joe rogan i talked about that because you laugh tom DeLong out of the room uh -huh. and then you say bob lazar is the real real deal mm -hmm. tom DeLong published his autobiography i mean he's bob lazar so it's right. like if you can't you can't laugh tom out of the room and then say you believe bob they're on the same page and the same thing with with Fravor and Grush, they're all saying the same thing, which is unbelievable. And that we've, this has been a thing for 90 years and, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really unbelievable what Colthard is saying that there's UFOs so big that we built entire buildings to hide them. You know, it's tough for part, some of the reasons you already mentioned. I mean, the, some of the people that are associated with it, Tom DeLong, easy to dismiss, because of his musical career and his appearance on Rogan. Well, I mean, he, see, he didn't bring anything really. I mean, like, 
It was the same kind of thing as a lot of Grush. Like, it was like, ah, I can't tell you. I can't you. tell I you can't this. Say. I can't. He went on too early if he actually did have anything to say. He shouldn't have gone on at the time that he did. Um, well, which th- that's why he's backed off of it. Yeah. He said that, that oh, I kind of screwed up. Yeah. And so jumped the gun a little and, bit. And um, he was happy to just back off, which also is weird because you think, you know, he's so invested in it. And at the same time, he's openly said, Oh, this isn't about me. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy to help if I can, but this is way bigger than me. And this is the biggest thing I've ever, you know, this is the biggest thing I'll ever have anything to do with. Mm-hmm. And it's more important than any of the music I've done or the movies I've done or the books I've written. You know, he's, he's openly said, um, whatever needs to happen to bring this out, that's what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. And if he can be useful, great. If he's not great, you know, um, which I can tell you from being a shareholder of the company that he, he a lot has changed into the stars Academy. And a oh, lot yeah. of these people have phased out and Lou is not associated with to the stars Academy anymore. And I think some of that was because he did, uh, say things on that podcast that he wasn't supposed to say. Hmm. He's a, he said that too. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was helpful. Whatever. I think you sent me the link of the replay of it and it's him giving a little bit of a, debrief on like or just kind of a recap on after the interview it's it might have been even a couple years after the interview Mm, happened it was yeah him going well i really wasn't as prepared as i should have been going into that didn't expect you know the questions he was going to ask so um i thought okay fair enough maybe fravor just doesn't know as much about the history of these interviews and stuff as we do yeah. You know, when he says he believes Bob, maybe he hasn't listened to a lot of the debunkers who have poked holes in his story. The couple of interviews I listened to, he made that comment more than once. You know, he's like, I'm not a UFO guy. You know, that makes sense. Uh, which is one of my favorite. I was hoping this would, I'd find an area to spot to bring this up. But one of my favorite just anecdotes that Fravor shares is he says, I'm not a UFO guy. Matter of fact, um, he said, you know, when we would be out doing instrument flights at night in our jets, you know, you've got your instruments on, you can, uh, <clears throat> the heat sensors are so sensitive that you can spot a campfire from miles mm-hmm. away. And he said, uh, we would, we would sneak up on campsites. Mm-hmm. So we'd get some momentum going, kill our thrusters, kill our lights. And just freak him out. And he said, yeah. And then he would just like pull the stick back, hit the afterburners and just shoot up. And he's like, and of course, people oftentimes thought we were UFOs yeah. because we were just playing jokes on campus. Oh, he's a perfect, perfect yeah. guy to fake an alien so, invasion. So we're talking about a guy that's like, no, I never, I wasn't a UFO guy before this. And he's even, even in, in that recent interview you sent me from this past week, he said, I, you know, I don't know if it's aliens or what. I'm just telling you, it's not a thing that I've seen before. Not used to that type of movement. And he said, if it is a little green men, fine, so be it. But that's not, again, it just doesn't seem to be his main objective. But he also finished up with that a lot of, yeah, he thinks there's full disclosure coming. Hmm. I mean, he said that in the interview. He said, yeah, "Yeah, within my lifetime, I think you're going to see some unbelievable things come out, which Mm -hmm. is... I take that to mean after everything he said about Bob Lazar and all the other and Lou and everyone else is like David Grush is right, which means Ugh, it's too bad we we got a lot of aliens. We could end this talking about the woman on the plane 
so so if this is right if this is right and uh aliens are walking amongst us right now this woman on american airlines might have had an encounter with one so if there's a video that went viral a day or two ago with this woman on american airlines swearing a lot so if you don't like swearing don't look at it but she is on a plane and she's flipping out and she's they're not quite taken off i think yet and she's like i need off this plane and the reason she says and everyone's kind of laughing at her and video and she's like that guy i won't use the language she used but she's saying that guy in the back he is not real and I'm getting off this plane for a, a darn good reason. And if you guys want to stay here and die, that's your business. But I don't care what you think of me. I'm getting off of here. Yeah. And then, ah, oh, so good because I don't know if you saw the follow-up video. Uh-huh. Supposedly, yeah. the guy who claimed to be who she was talking about on the video put out a video. Now, I don't think it was him because there was another video that came out that showed a man in a green hoodie. And people said that's who the man was that she was talking about. And there's two guys. One guy said that he looked at that man and that man looked back at him after she left and he winked at him. But when he winked at him, his eye winked like this, like, like sideways. Side vertical in, lids in, instead, instead of horizontal. Of horizontal. Yeah. Um, that guy, probably questionable. But then another guy came out who had tattoos all over his face and everything. And he's wearing a hoodie with a Masonic freemason symbol on the front of it and he did this whole bit where he he uh explained he's just claiming to be the guy in the video i don't know if he was um i don't know if it's been verified but he said yo yeah she was upset she was asking me about do i know what this means and do you know what you know about the masons and all that and that's and he's he's told her that he was lucifer or something and that's why she flipped out um but given our history with the masons i don't know man uh they could be reptilians. Who they? <laughs> That's the idea is that he was not a human. He okay. was something else, reptilian or yeah. otherwise. I didn't see that video. I just saw the one it just came out today. where the fella that there's the fellow that said he was a passenger on the plane, sat a few rows back, and then he said, "Yeah, the guy with the hoodie winked at me. He had vertical eyelids instead of horizontal." Which it's was, fun to think about. Yeah, exactly. Like, And it was interesting to watch the video of that woman because it is very easy to... I would have probably been like most people on that plane. Like, oh, she must be on pills. Like, she's just... She's on Ambien and she's freaking out mm. before the flight. Um, But something about watching that one, I don't know if it's just because you're the one that sent it to me. I was a little more open-minded when I watched it. Like, yeah, what if you were on a plane... And this person next to you does something that indicates, like, this is not a human. The mask slips for a second, yeah. you know? And do you stay on the plane with that knowledge? No. There was another incident okay that happened today you're crazy. on yeah. a totally different plane with a man, uh, a British man in the middle of the flight. He stands up. And I could, I watched the video a few times. I could not understand what he was saying, but he's flipping out about he was the British. guy in his passenger seat. And he tried to open the door. They're in air. And he's oh, like, wow. he's like flipping out. And he's like, I'm not going to die. This is not whatever. He's like, I'm getting off this plane. And he goes through the door and other passengers restrain him and stop him. But people are like, what's the deal with these people flipping out on planes? You know, saying, get me out of here. I'm going to die. I don't know. But there was, it was the same thing. He was like, he's pointing at this other man. And it's like, there's, there's somebody else on the plane that he was flipping out about for some reason. He was a guy probably, you know, 20, 
25 years old, mm-hmm. you know, who knows, maybe, you know, crystal meth, <laughs> you know, um, but guy, if the, if the Fravers, if the, if the Grush story is real, if uh, Lazar's story is real, yeah, there could be shapeshifters walking around amongst us and we, you wouldn't know. I mean, maybe that sounds, I, I, I don't know. I still, I don't know where you fall, but I still fall more on the phenomenon is real. I do think that I I think that this is an opportunistic. I mean, just fake alien invasion. Just yeah. the, the odds of it just seem so. You know what I mean? Like I think that we're we don't have any evidence at this point. You and I, right? Like, I don't yeah. I don't have any evidence. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I just think that these the, the, not fravor, but we have to come to terms with the fact that you know as a country the deep state, whoever it might be, rogue actors or whatever. I mean, they shot JFK in the face in front of everyone. It's the same thing. Like, well, how extreme are they willing to be? Like, how far would they go? How big could a lie be? You know, killed the president, killed Mm -hmm. his brother, probably faked a moon landing. Um, Would they fake an alien invasion? I think so. I don't know. I would if I was in charge. <laughs> if I, I mean, if I if I was king of the world, and I this is how you get everybody to do what you want. Uh, fake it. Yeah. You know. Well, it's that uh, don't let a good crisis go to waste. Yeah. Are you the one that coined that, or not coined it, but quotes that one every once in a while? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, Mick West talks about the feedback loop that this is creating. You know, like somebody reports some kind of alien UFO yeah. something, which brings it up into the public media and the attention at which then now it prompts somebody else to be more likely to see something and report something and like, which, yeah, yeah. you know, it just gets this flywheel effect going. The and question if, is, is that by design? Yeah. Is it by design or is it just a good opportunity if you're, you know, a guy in the white house tripping over vials of cocaine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just going, well, this is this another is distraction. Out pretty good. Yeah, it's exactly. a good distraction. Yeah. Well, that's probably a good place to end it. Uh, let us know what you guys think. Thank you so much for watching the Conspiracy Dad podcast. Like, share, um, do all the things that you can to promote us. If you're a fan, we appreciate everybody for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.